recorded live from Stockton, California. This is Jammin' with the Best. Yo, what's up? We got another episode, Jammin' with the Best. Yeah, we're back. We got another guest again. He's been on before. Yeah, third time? Maybe fourth? Yeah, I think I think third. Yeah, um, that sounds right. And it, it's all becoming clear after I hear that intro too. It's just, that's iconic, man. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, Crash and uh, my friend Steve Spiffler combined to love it. Combined to make that sweet sound. Yeah, so we got Corey Merle, Johnny Disc Golf in the house. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. How you been? Uh, I've been good. I mean, all things considered, you know, pandemic raging, uh, wearing masks everywhere. But uh, yeah, I've been good. I've been in San Francisco for, you know, better part of the last four months or so, five months since the pro tour finals and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I've just been working on a documentary series, golden state of mind for disc golf pro tour, the disc golf network in particular. And besides that, just kind of prepping for next year. Yeah. I've seen uh, one of those episodes, uh, we've had it on in the background while we were working and that's some good work there, sir. Dude, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been super fun to kind of like highlight obviously the club that I know so much about and love and has meant so much to me and, you know, getting to do that with like a little bit more of like a legitimate feel feels super good. Yeah. So what exactly is that centered around for those who don't know? Yeah, it's a six part documentary series centered around disc golf in San Francisco. So, you know, we largely have one course here at Golden Gate Park. Um, you know, Glen Eagles is up in the, or I guess technically down in the south side of the city, but not really part of the scene as much as Golden Gate Park. So um, I'm taking the six episodes and kind of focusing each one on a different facet of the course, club, culture, um, you know, all of the above. The first one was kind of a welcome. Uh, the last one is kind of going to be, you know, where we've come over the last year or so and where we're going. Uh, and everything in between kind of just paints a different story. You know, I have an episode about all the different locals in the club, uh, the history of the club. Um, you know, I've got one coming about about the, the competitive side of the club and, um, you know, one to highlight, uh, Leonard over at whirlwind disc golf guy who's designing the course for the OTB open. So yeah, a lot of fun stuff, man. Just been, been good. Yeah. You've been down in Stockton a little bit recently. I have like more than, more than a long time, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, how do you like, uh, the course and everything that's so far laid out for the OTB open layout? I really like it, honestly. I I didn't really know what to expect. I remember I went to Swenson that one time with you guys. Um, I don't know, a year ago, a year and a half ago. I can't even remember when it was. But uh, we had fun. It was cool. It was like a fun place to go throw some Frisbees. But it didn't scream DGPT venue, you know, no. in any way. But when I came up here just a couple weeks ago or a week ago with Leonard and, and Crash and Danny was out there, what Leonard has done to that property and frankly, the fact that you guys got the nine extra holes really, yeah. really yep. sells it. It's going to be a beast out there, man. 11,000 feet, something like that. Like classic Leonard design, trees right in front of the tee pad, even though they wouldn't think of it as like a treat up area. It's, I think it's going to be fun, dude. Yeah, it'll be sweet. That back nine that we got has some uh, sweet, some sweet land. There's some sweet trees and tunnels and some cool. Yeah, like um, I think it's like 11... 11 through like 15 are such awesome. Like all kind of right around that water. 
um, the, under the oak trees, the, a couple of those greens, uh, 12 and 13, I think, are like right under those oak trees over there. That yeah. par four coming back over the water is so nasty, too. It's going to be like a great finish, dude. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited to see how everybody ends up playing it and what the overall thoughts are of the course mm-hmm. and the park itself. Because obviously being removed from Glen Eagles and someone who certainly knows their San Francisco disc golf history, and that's pretty new to the scene, but just kind of the the aura that those grounds have there and the views and the shots and in its short history of just two years of the SFO being there, just, uh, I think the enjoyment factor for all of the fans watching and the, the pros playing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's so many factors here, right? Because like as someone, I'm on like the, you know, event coordination side of the, of the tournament, just like you guys are as well. And so there's so many factors when it goes into putting on an event of this scale. And and really the shift from Glen Eagles to Swenson, like surface level, maybe if you're like a fan from not in the region and you're not really going to be here and not going to experience the tournament firsthand, then maybe you might be like, oh, it might be a slight downgrade. You know, maybe it, the course itself goes down a half point on, on like the UDISC scale. But everything else that's going to be able to happen because we're shifting here is, I think, dwarfs any sort of, like, you know, small course downgrade that we might get. Uh, Leonard's doing a hell of a job with that layout, and I know you guys throw a hell of an event. So, you know, all things considered, like, I think all good things. The same. We're pumped to have the whole SFO team, now the OTB Open team, behind it everybody out there you know including yourself and both the Sean's Leonard everybody involved it's just you know we couldn't be paired with better people we know that the tournament is in good hands being run by by you guys and just disc golf pro tour in general you know so we had, yeah. we had no concerns putting the name on it and uh hosting as far as the venue yeah and something that I think is going to be or already is kind of cool is you know our group of, I wish I had the exact number, I'll say like eight to 10 staff for the SFO. Part of why we did it, you know, unpaid, we got lunches for us sometimes, you know, we got a couple of rounds of golf comp. But the reason that we did all the work for that event is because we love San Francisco and we love our scene. And we want to, you know, there's so many awesome cities on tour and we wanted to be a part of that culture you know hosting a big event hosting the best players in the world and so when i found out that we were going to move to stockton you know i'd be lying if i didn't say that part of me was let down just that you know i wasn't going to be able to say like to all the touring friends like oh yeah you're coming to my my place like my backyard this is my area i'll show you like oh you need this i, I got you all three you know so i was curious to see how the team overall would respond to kind of you know, putting in a lot of work that is largely un, un uh, compensated for now a tournament that isn't in the backyard. You know, we have to drive 90 minutes to get to Stockton to put on a tournament. So that was a concern. But gosh, was I just so not on the button there. I mean, the guys have just rallied so well, like Sean Jack, Sean Mercy. It is just like, it's it's bigger than just San Francisco at this point. It's like, you know, we're part of like, you know, we're, we're probably like one of the top 15 most legitimate tournaments in, in the world, you know, yeah. or maybe top 20. Like, we have some pride in that, man. And I think it's it's really coming together. 
Yeah, it's become like a whole NorCal team. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, everybody rallies. And, I mean, we've talked about it before. We're sad to see it leave the Glen Eagles course because it's so much fun and so pretty. And But, uh, yeah, I'm pumped for what Leonard and, and the whole crew. And Leonard's great about bringing on a lot of people to to have input um, in, you know, what, what he thinks is good shots uh, or mm-hmm. what to do with the land in general because you're looking at a blank slate of, you know, 50 acres or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a dream to be able to design something. And now and, he's had, had some pro input on it also. Yep, a little bit. And maybe some more. Yeah, I was going to say, we just had old... Old, uh, old Jamesy out here throwing some MVP the other day. That was fun. Yeah, that was super. He uh, won our main event blowfly competition. Yeah, Conrad's <laughs> smashing a putt, though. Like it, For those who don't know, we've got a ladder sitting over a marksman, and that's the basket for half of our holes. So the gaps are pretty tight, and especially if you're not coming at it from the right angle. And like, there's a basket in front of it. Yep. And sometimes we put, uh, there's just all sorts of things in the way. It's ridiculous. And Conrad smashed one. I don't think I've ever seen a putt made from that far, from like that angle. No, certainly not lining it up. Like we've had some lucky things go through, but bouncing off the wall is like the way to go in. Yeah, there is that play. Yeah, and, and it was uh, it was thrown from between the twenty seven inch iMac and forty inch <laughs> widescreen as well, which makes it all the more impressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we have a hectic uh, game here, and. Conrad came in. It was a three-way tie. Had to go in to an extra hole, and he he took it down in the playoff. Yeah, it is one of the most ludicrous courses. I'll be honest with you. Craziest course I've ever played. I mean, (laughs) six holes. Two two baskets that are in play, but what, like seven potential beer baskets in there? Yeah, there's a lot of beer baskets around. It can happen. It's it's just grown to be sillier and sillier, I think, throughout the couple months we've been here. (laughs) Oh, I love it, man. It was super fun. Yeah, wild. So what does your tour plan look like for this year? Uh, well, not quite going to be hitting it as full-time as I had in the past. Um, I'm going to be skipping, I think, four national tour events. Um, Texas States, Delaware, Music City Open, maybe just three NTs. Um but I'm going to be flying in and out a little bit more uh, as part of the pro tour team. Um, I'm on contract to do all 14 or all 12 pro tour events, as well as um, the two early year majors worlds and us women's. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be producing a little bit more like feature oriented content, right? So, you know, player profiles, um, histories of the city that tournaments are in, um, I've got a fun angle that I want to pitch. Uh, I kind of already small pitched it for the OTB Open um, about how just, you know, things are brewing here in Stockton. So, yeah, just doing a little bit more cinematic, a little bit more, I don't even know, um, just trying to legitimize the brands a little bit more, you know, make mm-hmm. it feel like professional. I like it. And so this will all run through DGN, right? Yeah, honestly, a lot of it, so it will be service for the DGN, but most of the content that I'll be producing, it will be like released on YouTube and social and all that stuff, largely to advertise for DGN and for the live broadcast. Good. I was hoping that that would be the case there. I thought that was a smart thing to do is to basically have it be a bunch of teasers and previews and almost like hype for the event. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I was thinking about that a lot, especially since you've been here in like the last week or so. 
the brain just kind of gets going on, you know, what, what sort of content can be created, uh, for, you know, disc golf network and you've got your new relationship with them. So what exactly is, I guess, like your title or what are you tasked with doing? We've touched on that a little bit, but delve a little more. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you tell me at this point what my title is. We've been in talks <laughs> with the pro tour since the, like the end of last year and, you know, God love them. Uh, we've, we're, I'm going to be at all the events I'm going to be making, you know, I've narrowed down the type of content that I'm going to be making, which is largely like, you know, promotional content for the live stream. Um, as far as title media czar, um, director of cinematic endeavors. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like creating it as I go at this point, I think. Um, but good news is that I'll be at all the pro tours and, uh, yeah, I'll be making a lot of content. Hell yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like some of the titles that that we make up around. Yeah, here. Um, on my health insurance form, my title's Minister of Propaganda. There we go. Exactly, dude. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I might throw an Esquire in there somewhere. I don't even know why, but just for fun. Yeah. So, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you've seen the Disc Golf Pro Tour grow in the first. What this is going on its fourth year, or are we in five? I think it's four. Someone tells me we're in five. I think Steve did three. Jeff Mm -hmm. has done one. And then I think we're on our fifth. Yeah. So, I mean, you've Um, seen it from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I started going to Pro Tour events in 2017, which was the first full year. I think at the end of 2016, it was like maybe Silver Cup and and Maple Hill that year, Vibram, whichever it was at that time. But 2017, yeah, it was pretty much the first full go. Um, you, you want to know what is crazy, though, I will say, is that from the beginning with the Pro Tour events, um, you know, Steve's his own character. He's got his own legacy. But they were always slightly more professional than the national tours from, mm-hmm. from the jump, like from the first year of the tour. And, and you know, I don't know if that's, if that's like the maybe hangover of or that, that like last era where there wasn't a lot of infrastructure within tournaments and there wasn't a lot of investment in the tournaments itself. And so a lot of those NTs are like kind of historical tournaments that haven't had a lot of fresh blood or like fresh face involved. So sure. maybe, maybe that's it, but it, it kind of is funny that it has always been a little bit like a little leg above the NTs from the beginning. Um, as far as growth though, I mean, dude, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> you see all these people that are being hired on full time. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was like sandwiches given out to all employees the first year compared to, <laughs> you know, full-time employee employment with benefits to, I think they're like seriously at like 20 people, 22 people, something like that. Like, That's awesome. you know, Sean Jack, that he, yeah, he's, he's high level, but like, you know, I think there's at least six to eight people on full-time tour with the tour as like salaried employees. So, you know, from my perspective, that's the single biggest growth point, you know, is just like these people can actually legitimately say that they work full time in disc golf, which is, you know, insane. Especially just thinking about like, yeah, I think about 2016 when I flew out to Beaver State Fling, Ian gave me like 300 bucks, like my plane ticket and 300 bucks to come out and like, you know, make uh, Tournament Central, which was like one of the first ideas I ever had little recap videos and then just like help out with the camera. It was like to think about that to now, you know, where we're talking about full-time living, you know, where I can pay my bills off disc golf. It's that's what I see the growth in. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It makes it uh worth all the time and brand you put in 
like brand building you put in early the whole Johnny disc golf persona. I know like I, every it's so funny, man. People are always like, I'm living a dream, dude, living a dream. And it's like, yes, definitely 75 to 80% of it feels that way. But then I'm like in my van in the parking lot in Milford, Michigan, like, drinking a mucho mango Arizona iced tea, just sweating at 9.30 p.m. And like, dude. Living the dream, Oh, baby. man. So, living the dream. So, you know, the fact that I'm not really going to be doing that too much anymore, bittersweet, but, yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to those Airbnbs a little bit more often now. <laughs> yeah, so that's the travel plans. Uh, like, will that be the same for even the West Coast swing? Or are you going to break out the van at all? I've got my sedan, my four-door little Hyundai Elantra, or Sonata, excuse me, LS, luxury. Um, but uh, I drive that up the West Coast just because it gets better gas mileage. But, um, yeah, I, the van's been in my parents' driveway since. I mean, at this point, I didn't even drive it during the pandemic either. So, you know, yeah. I drove it back from Waco, parked it at my parents' house, and haven't seen it since. Uh, well, I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't driven it since. Um yeah, it's kind of sad. Honestly, if anybody out there is looking for a van, fully converted, ready for solar, DM me. Uh, I'm considering selling it. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, it sounds like the the need for it has passed. Yeah, and I think as the Pro Tour grows too, like, you know, they're going to be a little bit less reliant on, like, you know, Patrick Graziani sleeping in the back of a pickup truck in nights off. So, like, I, you know, and just from a workflow standpoint, like when I'm on the road and I'm trying to work and edit video, like there's cables, there's hard drives, there's all sorts of things that like, you know, a disc golfer can do it in a, in a van, but like, it's so much more difficult when I need to upload the video, you know, I, I the, yeah, so, no space. yeah, it, it was, it, it worked for a couple of years, but you know, I don't know if that's the long play. Yeah. With, all these upgrades have you done anything with your equipment i know we just bought a new camera Um, oh yeah what are you what are you working with right now yeah well going into last year i upgraded my i mean listen we're gonna get into the thick of it a little bit okay and i'm sorry for people who really don't care about tripod legs or like fluid heads then just skip the next uh, 30 minutes (laughs) exactly yeah yeah no no uh, I'll, I'll give you the 30 second pitch. I've got brand new legs, Manfrotto carbon fiber with a 510 head on it, which is fluid head, beautiful, really good for interviews, but even better for like in the field and kind of like tracking people as they're walking, that sort of thing. Um, but the bigger purchase I got, which was for the documentary series, was a new lens. Um, Sigma Art Lens 18 to 35. If you're a camera person, you're like, it's so nice it's really good for like low light situations so you know i had like a three minute segment in uh in glow or uh, about glow and just shooting you know i was out there shooting at 9 p.m in the pitch black and with just a little bit of city light bleeding in i was able to get really good images so nice you know that lens yeah the the, it's significant um and so i'm actually really looking forward to kind of shooting some more disc golf content with it uh, just to get those little stylized looks, you know, a lot of the, like a lot of my goal for this year is to shoot a lot more like hero style B-roll of the players 
Um, you know, them looking at the camera spinning a disc while a slow-mo camera kind of whips around them with them talking over the top, yeah. you know, kind of like, you know, Simon, I've never won a world championships, but that just makes me hungrier than ever with him looking into the camera, spinning a disc, like that's tight, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm going for. Oh yeah. This golf needs more that professional, uh, ESPN style look. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, uh, I, I watch a lot of esports, not a lot of esports, but I watch, watch a lot of one specific esport, uh, League of Legends, um, LOL Esports, and they do so much with their media and their promotion for all their, like, I mean, it's their league largely and their tournaments, but they just do such a better job of selling their players than we do as a scene, you know, and that's mm-hmm. myself and everyone included. I don't think we do a good enough job, like, selling James Conrad as a product, you know, or selling yeah. Kevin Jones as a product, you know, Agreed, yeah. we need to give, we need to give people like a chance to buy in, right? Who are these people? Why should they want to tune in on Sunday? You know, our live productions getting there, we're slowly but surely improving, improving, improving. And once we, you know, eventually can get off like a cell based technology or a cell can get to the point where we can have some really crisp signal, then that's a selling point. But yeah. for now we've got to sell these players, man. We've got to tell this dude from Tennessee why he should tune in to watch Chris Dickerson, the dude from his state, coming in and playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think uh, the NBA is like a great model of, of that. Like, they make their players the vo- the focal point, and you can see everything about, like, each individual player. You know kind of how their attitudes are. Um, mm-hmm. And no, it's I, like I, much no, more than, like, totally the NFL, agree. where the NFL is, like, all about the shield. They they only care about like the mm-hmm. league where NBA went like we're gonna do everything about the player. The league doesn't matter as much as these individual stars. It's and it, it's interesting, you know, not to derail us from a disc golf conversation, but it is kind of interesting when you factor in those two leagues, right? Because football players almost exclusively have their helmet on, yep. right? You can't see their face. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched a documentary one time. I can't remember exactly the one, but they were saying that like football players suffer from having to prove that they're a star a lot more. Like if they're going out to have drinks and stuff, they're throwing around money because they don't just have the cameras on their face all the time. Like basketball stars do. Yep. So like the NFL has that leg up, you know, they can say, yeah, we're more important because their stars don't have that leverage of just the constant FaceTime over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And disc golf kind of has that, you know, it's like, we don't have to, our, our players aren't hidden behind something, you know, we can, they're right there in our face, you know, Yeah. we need a chance to be able to meet these people. Exactly. Especially with people like you, like being up in their face with cameras. I mean, that's right really what it's going to take too, though. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, players are always going to be the most interesting part of the sport. Forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fun to watch them compete, but it means a hell of a lot more if you actually know who they are and why they're there and what makes them them instead of just watching them play. No, totally. I mean, I'm just thinking about walking down the you know, two years in a row, even with James uh, Conrad at USDGC 2018, I was walking with him as him, Kevin and Paul. Yeah. 2018, him, Kevin and Paul were battling it out. Uh, and he came up one stroke short of Paul on 18 came in second. And I walked with him that next year and just knowing the journey that he'd be on, he had been on that last year, that final round where he ended up, taking it home, making that putt to win, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, just having that context and 
it's something I wish that a lot more of the fans could have, you know, just, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how to articulate it, but just like being there with them, you know, side by side, I think it, it just tells that moment so much more, so much more powerful. It's perspective. You know, you, you knew what was going on internally for him, or at least had a good idea. Yeah. You can relate to him. And I think that's part of the thing disc golf needs to do is make players relatable. Well, and there's so many Conrad fans yeah, and out it's there. Actually, no, you hit you hit the nail on the head. There's so many Conrad fans out there, and I think I think that is we're starting to push in the direction because I don't. I mean, listen, I may scoop I may scoop uh, MVP on this one, but I've heard rumors that there's going to be someone on tour, not specifically with James, but in and around that MVP high level scene that's kind of dedicated to media and video responsibilities so i don't know if that means you know tour vlogs that all those people are going to be you know appearing in or or what exactly but i think we're going to start to see that shift they're trying to really push those brands yeah we should i think it's awesome well the Uh, more that yet the fans can embolden themselves with you know being a fan of james conrad or being a fan of mvp or even just getting more exposure to the brand itself like I, i mean obviously inside the sport Neither of those two entities really need that much help, but just the, I don't know, the, the depth that you can go to there will really build, I think, a following. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Like, as, as these players' deals and salaries and all that good stuff just keep going up and up and up, I think that you're going to start to see manufacturers feel more of an obligation to use that asset, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if they have to pay, you know, if Conrad is demanding a plus salary, a plus salary, whatever the, the, the deal is, then they're going to get every dime they can out of that. And so that means that they are going to maximize his media, you know, availability and put him in as much stuff as possible to try and sell as many just to recoup that huge salary. You know, I probably likely with Paul too, like he well, costs the- a lot of money and they are going to utilize the heck out of that asset. Yeah, and the beauty of it is is that it helps the player too. You know, it's mutually beneficial. No question, man. No question. And we're starting to see that a little bit. There's still some some energy out on tour of like, you know, it they that the, the media is largely leveraging the players for their own gain. You know, that that there is that degree of mindset there on, on tour. Um, but I think it is starting to shift when you just start to see the sheer difference that the media is making in the value of the players. Yeah. Yeah. Just taking advantage of that media. Like, I feel like Paul's mm-hmm. done a very good job of that. Just, and players like Nate Perkins, who's OTP sponsored, but they, they take advantage of the media to make their own brand stronger. hundred percent, man. It's, it's so important. And there's so many people out there that want to, do it you know like there's so many people out there that want to make content yeah that like there's enough to go around you know mm-hmm. yeah there's plenty of demand to to watch it you know and it's interesting mm-hmm. it's 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 bringing value too it's stuff that you know people really want to see and so back to like you know the documentary stuff that you are doing with disc golf network i wonder if there's something that can be created or with the intention of going to Netflix and bringing a documentary that's kind of player-based, 
Maybe it's a Ricky Paul, like this is the rivalry. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's Eagle new on the scene. You know, you've got players from Europe. Is it Paige Haley? Like, wh- you know, what is it exactly that's w- the most interesting story or stories to tell to bring to an audience that maybe doesn't know much about our sport? Dude, have you guys seen Drive to Survive on Netflix, the Formula One show? No. No, but I've heard about it. Oh, my god dude okay dudes watch that show and imagine that in disc golf that is what i have been pitching i i i want there to be a world in which i can make that content full-time for the tour right yeah it's exactly what you're talking about you know what i mean like a docu dramatized docu-series that follows the, the scene and goes through the tour dude i uh that that's been my dream since i don't know probably 2018 honestly that's when i really started to push i pushed it to multiple manufacturers i pushed it to every tour director person ever and i can't who wants to fund someone full-time to make that you know we're not there yet but that's the goal yeah i mean ideally honestly it's probably perfect for 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 disc golf network specifically too and, you know, they're already, it's mm-hmm. going to be serviced to people that use a stream streaming app mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, I told I, the, the initial thing that I thought of, honestly, like the places to distribute it, I thought it, Vice Sports, I thought would be interesting. Yep. And Bleacher Report. Okay. Those are the two that I have in my mind as like, Rather than ESPN or Netflix, HBO Max, all mm-hmm. those sorts of things, like those ones are the ones that I kind of have my eye on as like, you know, they, they might be looking for stuff that isn't just straight traditional, sure. um, you know, da- down the middle cornhole stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, That's so, what I've always kind of had my eye on. Yeah, the reach might be a little bit less, uh, but I think the barrier to entry would be lower and the crossover might be higher as far as viewership on both. But I wonder, you know, what it would, what it takes then. Is it just a leap of faith for you or Disc Golf Network to put in the the man hours and the commitment to it? And then to try to, I assume, sell that product is how the business of that works, is that you sell, yeah. you know, the, the rights to. I, I, I'm curious. Like, I, exactly like this thing. Like, I wonder how that drive to survive originally the formula one show, how it like actually came to be, you know, did, did somebody go to Netflix and say, Hey, there's this dynamic sport. Everybody's into it. And they got funding to do it. Or did they just like eat the bill and then try and sell it? Formula one's pretty giant though. Sure. There's that, but I mean, there's other examples. Yeah. So I think the question is pertinent. My guess is the latter that it's already made and you just, you buy into it, you believe it more than, you know, someone like Netflix saying, okay, we'll pay you to do this and we'd love to see it in two years and it's a deadline. And now you're, you know, you're potentially managing this product. I think you have a a finished product. There's another one that's similar. It's called, I think we are the champions and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You seen that one with the downhill running? Yep. They do. Each episode is kind of like a different niche sport. Uh, okay. I think that is what it is. And I think maybe I've only seen the first episode of it and yeah. that was about the downhill, uh, running. Yeah. There's like a the pepper eating contest. Mm-hmm. There's all, there's a yo-yo contest. There's like a crazy hair 
expo thing. It's nuts. Nice. So I wonder if then if that was even the same people and they had the whole series and pitched it or if they yeah. were even mm-hmm. looking for these different projects. But I feel like it'd be perfect just to release on DGN and then start pitching it other places sure. and see how it does. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that, that's been my goal with this Golden State of Mind series. Like, I, I, truthfully, I think episode two, which is like the history of the club and how it came started, I think standalone, like I might make a couple of small adjustments, but I'm going to start submitting that to film festivals. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, like I'm, I, I stand alone. I think it works well enough to like get uploaded to a 30 for 30 short or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so once I get these things in the can, like, you know, our viewership isn't great on these, but, but for me, it's just more important to have them done to like, be able to legitimize you know i can if there's somebody it's like oh then they can send a link to the trailer of this thing it's like holy moly okay this thing looks pretty freaking this is actually cool sport yeah you know just having having content like this exist and then allowing me to like move on to the next thing is just you know the only way the only way we'll be able to make something big like that you know is just by doing these these first steps first is it only on dgn right now yeah, yeah. It's, uh, only on DGN. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like forcefully being accepting the paid subscription uh, subscription model, and I understand the values and how it's a, you know, you have to create revenue off this stuff. So I get that. But my heart of hearts, I feel like everything, all all information should be free, and video is just other information, right? It's just ones and zeros. So, like, in my heart of hearts, I wish they could be uploaded to YouTube. I have club members that are like, uh, I don't watch live disc golf. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing a free DGN giveaway with our club. First 250 members get a month free. So that's, like, a cool tie-in. Um, but, yeah, as of now, it's kind of all uploaded into that DGN. Uh, or, what do they call them? Like, uh, OTTs? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I know what you're yeah, talking about, but I, I don't remember at all. Yeah, yeah, it's basically like what's on the Roku the Roku app store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so here's one that I think would work this year as much content as you might be able to get if you even think it's a good idea, but it's basically just to be centered mm-hmm. around worlds and, you know, diving deep into each player that really has a chance. You know, the the top... 10 to 20 players on each side that feel, you know, relevant and interesting dive deep and, you know, have it be centered around the worlds in the lead up and some of the tournaments leading up and how they're doing. And then it culminates with, you know, whoever ends up winning it. I, that sounds incredible. It also sounds like 2000 man hours. Yeah. <laughs> I um, believe it. Like, so I, I was on board with everything you said until you said the top, I don't know, 15 or 20 on each side. I'm like, I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to be rude. It's probably back. more like the top, <laughs> the top three to five. Uh, yeah. Maybe exactly. even, and, and you know, three. Let's, let's be manageable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, understood for sure. I just, yeah. You, know, you, you, you choose a few to there. highlight. You choose a few to highlight just to sell the story. No, I mean, Listen, we're we're in the business of that. We're in the business of making decisions like that. You know what yep. I mean? It's like, well, I feature four people. Yep. I'm sorry, player X. You know, you're just not quite as 
fan relevant as the other player. You know, sorry. It's Mm -hmm. cutthroat, but it's true, you know? And so then I guess that's what it would be is Mm -hmm. is do the exact same thing and choose the top, I suppose, three from each side. And then it's a little bit of a gamble for you knowing that someone else might win and you're like, oh shit, you know, we just got all of this coverage and we oh. didn't really focus on the person who won. 100%. Then you focus on the person who won at the end. You know, that's I, that's I mean, I think so. That's what you have to do. Happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just run with it, though. What happened? That uh, Pro Tour Championships 2018, the last year it was in Florida. Uh, me and Brian Geis were doing, we, ha- we were tasked with making two separate videos, one of which was like going to follow one player as they played their way through the tournament, uh, ideally get into the end of winning. Uh, so the decision was made shocker. We're going to follow Paul Macbeth, uh, <laughs> film an interview with him beforehand, get some footage of the first round. Boom. He gets knocked out in the first round. I, I, we had to totally shift the scope of the video. It turned, it didn't go from like a victory lap. It turned into like growth of the pro tour video anyway, but sure. I've been there. It stinks. Yeah, at that point, do you just like you have to, you know, you have to make that decision on the fly? Uh, I can imagine Paul was more disappointed with himself, but in that moment, you got to be like, damn, damn, really? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, the, I think the, better, the better thing to do is just to kind of film the tournament as it happens and then Edit later. after the fact. Yeah choose a few people to go back and highlight that actually would make it a more fulfilled. So I think that's like the professional filmmaker way of doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. I All don't right. know shit for shit. On, the, on some controversial things. I, I think I know where you're going. <laughs> to. How do you feel about uh, some, oh, please. Uh, was it Champions Cup? Yeah, I knew you were going fourth major. Fourth major action? It's because of the Paul getting knocked out in the first round. Yeah. And that is ah. just kind of a weird format, you know? Yeah. I mean, this one's obviously different, but yeah. What were your thoughts? How, how are your feelings on the format? Okay, so I haven't looked at the article. I looked at the article when it came out, and I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. But this is – correct me if I'm wrong. This is the gist that I have, is that it's like a stroke play tournament the first few days, and four then rounds. the top so ever many people four. go into – Four rounds, straight, straight up four-round tournament, final nine – Match play? Yeah, the yep. Match a little play. more than that. I don't I know mean, how many holes it is, but it's... Yeah, it's, so it, it will be four rounds of stroke play, and then the top four from each field move on. And it and goes then, one versus four seed, two versus three. Exactly, but we're not sure nine holes or 18 holes. I'm imagining it's nine. We'll see, man. I it, It'll be oh. a long, long tournament, but I hope that it's, I guess, 18 each. But it probably makes more sense. I don't think they're going to do an 18 hole match on IDGC. Yeah, that just sounds Um, crazy to me. uh, So this is this is one thing. The first thing that I hear that I think when I hear that is Drew Gibson at Fox Run whipping three putts in a row so that he doesn't have to play on Paul McBeth's card for the DGPT Championship. Remember that, like depending on one, two, three, four, you know, you're you can play some games there on the final green. To figure out who you can play in match play. Sure. Yep. Like I don't love that. I don't either. Though I, my only argument against that is it's still, and I I hate that it's a major, 
still, but I love bringing something else. I I love when golf makes you think. It all boils down to that for me. I like when golf makes you think. And so this brings a little bit extra into that, even that gamesmanship or strategy on the 18th green to figure out who you're pairing against, just making you think a little bit more. I wish it was for more of an exhibition tournament, like the all-star. You can, we'll ask you a little bit about that after this, but I like when golf makes you think. That's the mm-hmm. one positive from from all of this, I think. No, I, I totally agree. And I love match play format. Just like I love the format of match play. It is yeah. awesome, riveting golf. But like you said, like I, may, I mean I love I love that there's a major at IDGC. Like that facility is awesome. It's historic. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I you kind of lost me with the match play that is the determine a finals champion. Yes, yeah, so what happens Correct. if Paul McBeth's up, up by like 15 strokes and then loses? Yeah, or down and then wins. Yeah. So the same argument uh, was for Pro Tour Championship too. You know what I yep. mean? It's like, you know, you can go out and go smoke show on people for three rounds like Calvin did and then it's you not lose. not a major though. No, but it's for the I, biggest purse. So there's something, yeah. you know, yeah. something large on the line. It was on ESPN. There was something big on the line. Uh, I mean, it wasn't... Did they know it was going to be? I guess they knew it was yeah. going to be on ESPN before. Absolutely. No, it, it, I, I have, I'm more, I'm more aligned with the Pro Tour Championship like style format of play with it, where it's like resetting stroke play so that it, you, I mean, what tournament have you ever been to where the five way tie for first going into the last day? <laughs> yeah. Never. You know, so I love that, and and that's their own thing. But if I'm the PDGA and I'm doing a major, like, I'm. You know, more power to them. They're great people, like the PDGA, Absolutely. good folks. But I, I would vote nay if I was in the room of like, should we go? Is it, if this is what we should do? I was on the nay side, I think. But they said they never I, even really there. considered stroke play at all. Wow. They, they considered just something different completely the whole time. Interesting. So I wonder if this doesn't work out, where do they go? Because they're still, I would assume, not wanting something, you know, traditional stroke. Yeah, play. they were talking about Stableford Dude, I, so, golf and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Wait, they're talking what? Stableford, where it's like, it's a point system. It's a point system where like really aggressive play is rewarded. Yeah, so you're going okay. for for highest total points. I think a par is zero points. A birdie is two points. Uh, bogey is negative one, so you can see birdies are all more bogeys. valuable than one bogey. All bo- all bogeys. Yeah. So bogeys, doubles, triples, all thought, are all uh, one. I think double and above is a little bit more. It does cap. There's though. two. There's there's Stableford and modified Stableford. So okay. one's one way and one's the other. Yeah. Tricky. Is there like is this something that happens in golf? I'm not like so on it with the golf tour, but is there one huge tournament that's like a cookie no. format? No, not really. They'll do like a match play and they have a skins match. Yeah, but it's certainly not for a major. No. Yeah, you kind of lose me there. All this is great. Like all these games are fun at the all-star event. Exactly. Some Mm -hmm. other event. Yep. I've had a a ton of great ideas for the all-star event. It's actually, yeah, kind of low-key disappointing that I'm not going to be involved in running it. But I've had, I've been pitching an all-star event for three, three, probably three years now with skills, competitions and, and like match play stuff. Yeah. That's what I was wondering is, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast about having, you know, different competitions and stuff like that. So what is your, uh, grand scheme for that? Well, my, so a, I wanted to have it in the middle of the year, but whatever, having any off season is cool too. Um, I, 
I wanted it to be a top 16 tour points gets invited to basically a high stakes match play. That's like the feature. That's like the main event. If you're, if you're going to a music festival, that's the headliner, right? Yep. Um, and then you have all your skills competition. And that's like top 16, both sides, however you want to do it. I'm just, uh, then you have all your skills competitions that we, or that the tour produces like video for, right? It's like produces them as a little package, a la pro bowl, right? So you have like, you know, your distance markers, they have little targets out there by the baskets, you know, this many points for getting in circle two, this many points for park, this many points for circle one, you know, you have, uh, the, you know, the, the stories of, and video of people throwing it at, uh, Eureka Lake, the shots up to the water tower. Yep. I want to have that as an event, high jump, basically for discs. Like how high up this tower can you hit it? You know, whoever hits the highest wins. That's great. Uh, And so each of these would have some, you know, modest cash value associated with them with like a big time money match play event at the end. Um, And it, you know, they're, they're doing versions of that this year. It's tough. I get it, especially in 2020 to schedule an event, but um, yeah, that, that's something I would like to have. I dude, dream world. I would love to be like league ops, league ops for like DGPT. Like I I've always loved running leagues. I've always loved like league development, how, schedules and brackets and tournaments should work. Like I could, I love this stuff. You're hired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, no, the all-stars event is just so good though. It's like such a good idea. It's all those little events would be so easy to monetize, throw a mic on each of the players, boom, boom, edit it. Like it's, this is like hmm, money in the bank. It's, it's waiting to be had. Oh, super easy footage. You know, like you're in one spot. Mm -hmm. All one place. I was like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was a Cordell Stewart fan because I watched him on uh, the the skills competition at the Pro Bowl. Cordell was dope. So exactly, dude, exactly. And so, like, then then your brain gets right running. Like, what kind of skills? What would be the skills if, like, you know, let's say you have six six events. You know what I mean? Like, your brain starts running. What are the six events? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to do accuracy. roller, ac- roller accuracy. Yeah, roller accuracy would be interesting. <laughs> But yeah, you need to test some sort of like accuracy, distance, putting, and then you have to have some stuff that's just straight fun, like a slam dunk contest, something where, like you're saying on the yeah. tower, you know, that high jump, where it's just yep. like something kind of goofy, but a great display of talent. Yeah, or like, a, what if there was like a target shooting thing where like you set it up 100 feet away and it was like you had to blast through paper, almost like those guys do like archery. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like you have to hit a certain amount of speed. You have to hit it with a certain amount of speed or else it doesn't count. Like oh, man. 75 and up accuracy, 75 miles an hour accuracy or something. That's sick. That'd be I crazy. like that. I like it. You can idea. do all sorts of fun stuff. Dude. See, this is why I should be out there in Scottsdale, man. I know <laughs> yeah. it. So what's going down this year? It's it's match play, I think top eight, right? And that's it's just the match play, it, so it's just the marquee event? Exactly. It's just a match play event. I think a large, you know, it's, it's basically half match play all-star event, half media asset like day, you know what I mean? So they'll do some media obligations uh, yeah. with the pro tour full-time staff. And then, uh, then they'll play their event. And yeah, I shouldn't talk any further about what the, some details, but it's going to, it should be so a unique fun experience out there at Fountain Hill, but I'm pretty sure that's where they're doing it at this year. Uh, so what I've heard, is that it's a big layout, like a safari layout at Fountain Hills. Okay. 
Nice. And I heard that from yeah, some I, I've, people I've on Twitter. Yeah, I've heard similar so. things. I heard that on from people on Twitter. Oh, so. people on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, man. You, Aaron's got some snakes in the grass right now. Oh, I got lots of snakes in the grass. Got them hiding all over. That's why he's the magistrate of oh, propaganda. Man. Yeah, it, it should be fun, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're gonna do a kooky layout out there at Fountain, and I think that that's there's some good opportunity for that. Yeah, it's already a kooky layout out there. <laughs> I want to play there still. I do even too. Though it gets talked bad about. I just want to play there with a bunch of discs that aren't mine. Yeah, I'm alright with that. So, you guys are in a unique position to where there's very little stress at Fountain Hills for you guys. I mean, the the building you're in is filled with options for when all of my firebirds end up in the water. Like I, I'm good on that course. And I will regretfully throw most of your firebirds in the water. Yeah. <laughs> I won't throw any big Z Lunas there though. <laughs> True. No big Z Lunas, no crystal, Luna, no any Luna in any sort is being thrown there. <laughs> Just to hide all the Lunas. Just hide the Lunas from Fountain Hills. Then you're good. You might find Lunas in there. I don't, I don't think Paul throws oh in the very gosh. often. Oh man. No. So, yeah. Once a year, maybe that's his quota. So your tour, or at least part of your, uh, you know, what you're going to be hitting this year, uh, will start in Vegas then after the All-Stars? Exactly. I should fly in, I think, the Monday. Monday of Vegas week. Um, yeah, because I think I have Tuesday, Wednesday. I think the tournament starts Thursday, four-rounder again this year. Um, yeah, starting in Vegas. I'm flying in and out of Vegas, flying in and out of Waco, um, flying out for Jonesboro and GBO. Or DDO, I guess. So I'm quite committed that one to memory, but uh, and then driving all the West Coast, uh, including Worlds, and then flying for the Michigan leg, a, a Northeast leg, and then I might extend that down into the Southeast region because that's where USDGC and Charlotte is, or the Pro Tour Championships. Otherwise, I might just fly out again. But I'm kind of I'm getting to that level where I feel like I'm in that like Simon and Paul McBeth category of like right. flying in and out whereas like the gk pro guys are just driving it man they're hooking it vip baby it's the upper echelon right <laughs> there good, man. yeah Finally. The upper echelon of uh, yeah. disc golf media yeah well it's called someone who needs to preserve a functioning relationship uh <laughs> and that doesn't include driving for like seven months straight that is key that is key that's a that's a whole level of commitment Right there, you know, so props to everyone doing that because there are plenty of people that are that are doing the whole shebang. Yeah, I don't know if that would work. I'm, yeah, I don't know if that one would work. I, I, I need a balance like that. Like, it was tough being on the road for like six, seven months straight. I don't know if I want to, I don't know. It's a lot. By the end of it, dude, I'm just like, get me out of here. It's so, I'm so done with it by you know, Hall of Fame or like all those good tournaments to finish the year. And I'm just like not excited for him. That kind of stinks. All right. Now imagine you're like six foot three, 230 pounds <laughs> and in a Prius eating beans all day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But he's, he's still, he's still green. He's green enough exactly. to love it. Dude. You know true. what I mean? That's and true. it's like when you, when he's, and when he's like, you know, he shows like a lot of promise and he's like still building towards stuff. Ezra, obviously who we're talking about, but yeah. so like there's, there's some drive there. He's, oh, I mean, also, I mean, lest we forget, he is not in a Prius. Anymore, no, he's okay? got a whole RV <laughs> that or is something. long gone. True. Yeah. Pretty sure he's oh, getting yeah. a whole RV. Yeah. 
Yep, twenty-seven footer. Him and Yuli should be a good time. But yeah, it'll be. I great. mean, that's why you do. That's why you eat beans out of an Instapot in a Prius, right? So yep. you can yeah. crush around in an RV that next year. That and you can, so you can sell bean socks and bean shirts and bean hats <laughs> and beanies. Entrepreneur, man, twenty-first century. Get a brand and stick with it. I have a cartoon character, man. I mean, I have no room to talk. I love your cartoon <laughs> character. It's all over the shop already. This is true. <laughs> good, dude. It, I got to give Jeff Bay's credit, man. He hit it out of the park. Not only with the logo, but one day just hit me up. This was like six months ago. I was like, hey, man, I got something for you. You want to stop by? Like, uh, okay. Drove over. He hands me a stack of like seriously 300 of those stickers. Like I saw a bin of them over here. Hell yeah. Jeff is the man. Jeff's great. I love that dude. Yep. Killed it with the OTB open logo too. Yeah. You too with that uh, animation job. In the world. Yeah, that was sweet, right? I I love it's like hypnotic with the little rays in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's fire. That's, that came out sweet. that's one of those things what you're saying earlier though that I don't think gets talked about very much and just kind of the grind of being on tour. And there's gotta be something to that from your side too, and then obviously from the players that are playing all these events and throwing every day. And uh I can imagine it wears on you towards the end of the year. Like Eagle is one that kind of takes off some time in the middle of the year. And I wonder if that's part of why. It's just sure. getting, getting, I guess, not necessarily tired of it, but needing a change of pace for a minute. Yeah, I actually just had an interview with him that came out a couple of days ago. And we talked about this exact same thing. Like, why, you know, why does he usually skip events? And why, you know, he's basically only playing the Pro Tours and NTs and Majors. Mm-hmm. And... A, that already fills up the schedule. But B, you know, he says that he doesn't have the amount of effort and like mental space that like preparing for one tournament takes, you know, and physical space, you know, training. It's like three, four practice days. The amount of time that it takes to get comfortable on a course enough to like give it his all, you know, he, he can't do that at literally every single week of the year. So he'll take 23 weeks, play high level events at the best of his ability for those ones and have a nice balance, you know? So I, I think, yes, he, he'll get, he would get tired at the end of like the grind, but I think it's more so the like just preserving the ability to give every single one his all. Yeah. You know? I like that. It's, you know, making, making fewer decisions, mental, you know, decisions, yeah. golf type decisions throughout the year to save it for when you need it most. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think separates Eagle from thinking like that? Or is that somewhat common amongst pros? Um, I would say it's like, a. I would say he's probably the furthest in that direction of any of the pros, as far as like not really just jumping into a random tournament for the sake of it. Yeah. Like if Paul McBeth in town and there's a tournament going on, he's just going to play it. But, like, you know, Simon, same way. But I do think that, like, in large part, those upper echelon guys are similar in that. Like, they all kind of have that high level, you know, is it even worth playing mindset. Um, but then but then it's like on the flip side. If you see guys like Emerson Keith, um, guys like Ezra, uh, you know, all those, like, up-and-coming grinders, they're, they want to play five weekends, like, five tournaments in a weekend like oh back-to-back c tiers same day let's do it yeah and some of them you know some of the top top guys and girls maybe have the financial freedom to not have to worry about 
playing a tournament every weekend. I'm sure there's plenty of pros out there who maybe would love to take a weekend or two off, but if there's an opportunity for, you know, 500 bucks, thousand dollars for, for winning a local B tier, they're going to take it. Yeah, no, for great point. Actually, it's something that like, you know, Eagle mentioned that as well. It's like, once you get to one of those top players, it's not the tournament winnings that you really are determining your annual, you know, salary. It's all the royalties and, you know, bonuses and, salary and all that stuff like that just makes the tournament winnings you know kind of negligible so like yeah you know he's much better off trying to play his best at certain events rather than just grinding it out on events that you know they're not on video he might get 400 bucks for taking first place or 800 bucks for taking first place but you know they just don't really make a difference in the grand scheme yeah it's not going to make or break the budget there mm-hmm. um what to you are some of the most interesting storylines going into this season well i mean i would say obviously a james throwing mvp it's just going to be interesting for me to see how that progresses and, and all the new players in the switch thomas with yep. prodigy you know what i mean like austin over with prodigy so all the new players so i mean just i would say Countdown till the Euros start invading the FPO division again. Oh, I feel like our the, the like FPO field has had the benefit of not having to play against Kristen, Henna, uh, um, Evelina, and uh, Leek 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 Sandvik. Yep. That's another one who's really good too. Yeah, she she, she came over at the beginning of the year. So, uh, you know, when when are they going to start participating? Is are the Europeans going to be here for worlds? All that stuff uh, is going to be interesting. You know, yeah, I would say, I would say like on a personal, on a personal level, like the storylines of how will the pro tours media evolve going into 2021? You know what I mean? And like what that's going to look like. Well, you have control Um, over that. I think there could be some interesting content coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. What's um, your guys' takes? What, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to most? Uh, Aaron, OTBO. What do you, yeah. Just everything around it, yeah. What about storylines as far as the, story the players? Lines? Yeah, what are the top storylines for you heading into 2021? KJ win Worlds. We've won a big tournament. He's the most compelling guy on tour right now to me. Yeah, like I mean. Most fan favorite type guy. And the the skins to the GK and OTB yeah. skins, seeing him on, I don't know, I think there was 19 and he was probably on like 14 of them. Yeah. Like it was a ton and I loved it. We're huge KJ yeah. fans, so we were mm-hmm. stoked with that. And you get to see him a little bit more. And, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier too, is getting to, to know some of the players too. Yeah, I think that and then like I, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that steps their game up like another level this year. Yeah. And whether it's like Eagle becoming the best player in the world or someone like KJ stepping up or someone stepping up into the same levels as like KJ and Dickerson. Yeah, where I think KJ and Dickerson and and Conrad too are right on that precipice of like the top three. Yeah. You know, you look at Eagle, uh, Paul, and Rick. Mm-hmm. as kind of the, the top three and maybe, you know, a, a step above. I'm looking forward to seeing Sexton come back. Yeah, he's playing mm-hmm. some events, not all of them, but. Yeah, 
but always in contention. I really think that uh, the FPO side has a ton of storylines. Yeah. Where it's been dominated by Paige and now, you know, and a ton of Cat. And now you've got Haley, who's not coming out of nowhere, <laughs> but was, you know, a couple years ago. She's so young. Yeah, you know, she's 19 was, or something like that right now, 20 maybe. Yeah. And yeah, then, I think she's just 20. Yeah. European women coming over. There's yeah, there's just a, a huge, ton of players going on tour for the first time on the FPO side. There's a depth of talent that yeah. I don't think we've really been able to dive into yet. Yeah, like the Cat Mersh. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say Callie McCorin's going on tour this year. Yeah, I think she's so. been touring for a couple Has years she? now, but I think Valerie Valerie Mondulano, I think, is yeah. she touring now too? Yep. yep. She is. Um, she's super good. Cynthia Ricciotti, is that her right? How does she say her name? Yep. She's. She yep. four went, she's not going to college. She's a 4.0 student that decided to go on tour rather than go, go to college. Yeah, that's a great storyline. Yeah, got, he, Sean Jack always says, like, the he's got this interesting, like, anecdote. He's like, this is probably the first year I'd ever encourage somebody to tour if they have the potential over yeah. going to college. Like, I actually would, he would suggest that it's like actually a good idea now instead of, like, you know, just for fun. Yeah. I think always for fun, though, is a pretty good reason. True. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, if um, it's your passion. I think the road to road to 1,000 rated per page might be an interesting one this year, too. True, yeah. yeah. That 991 disc is up here looking all pretty. So dominant last nice. year. I mean, the last few years even, but it seemed like it, it stepped up a bit of a notch last year, right? Yeah. She, when yeah, she won, I, she won Giant. I'm really interested to see what the landscape looks like in a world where cats making all her putts though. And I I know we're like, it's like, you know, you can't, it's like saying like, I'd love to see a world where James is throwing 400 foot sidearms. You know, maybe it's just like, that's just not the world we're living in. But I mean, when she loses by six strokes, but misses 25 inside the circle, yeah, you know, it, yes, Paige is dominant, but like, not, I don't think it's quite as dominant as the numbers would see just because of like the obvious glaring one thing that to could me, get fixed. To me, sure. there's just a giant difference in mental makeup. Like yeah. uh, being able to handle the pressure late. I, I, I totally feel you. I have stood there and witnessed cat execute shots in the 18th hole of the window. I mean, yeah. I, I totally just watch around. Totally the putting We're not talking about somebody. To, just watch yeah. her on the putting green though. Like she gets to the, like any, anything late tournament, like her putt gets shakier and shakier, like to the point where she misses seven footers. Yeah. To Corey's point though, yeah, I, I've, I've seen I, her close. I always wanted to. Just, yeah. We've seen her close out, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember specifically GBO last year, two years ago when there was, they were on the Island page made that huge putt. Ah! put her fist up yep. and then cat missed a putt went into the water boom and like got brought her back in and then next hole cat 400 foot laces the shot to like 12 feet taps in win yeah so you know that was huge. i i mean you're there's shreds of truth on both sides so we're both you know right on this one but you know i don't know i in a world in which that that little adjustment could be made, you know, between rounds one and three, then maybe she's up four instead of down one, and there isn't that late pressure, you know. Yeah, 
Oh, I think Cat's a better driver than Page off the tee. Like well, that's that's goes to what I was gonna say yeah. next is there's there's improvement on Page's end too. Yeah, like she could easily clean up some shots out there, and she would likely be the first one to say it. Um, and so yeah. I'm excited to see, yeah, that that road to a thousand potentially, and there's there's clear cut, you know, lanes for that to happen in my eyes as far as just cleaning up a little bit on some of those shots, but. Man, the strokes that she's been able to save in the last couple of years is insane. She's so good on the green. Yeah. Yeah, no, no question. I, I, I love uh, filming Paige's putt in slow-mo is one of my favorite things to do in disc golf. Like, because of how flat she keeps them, too, like flat nose-up floater just zipping them, it, it looks like they're just coming right at you from behind the basket. It's so fun to see. That's cool. That's a neat perspective. To just mm-hmm. be filming it all. That's rad. Hell yeah. So uh, you, you said you got some uh, OTB Open Stockton ideas in your head, huh? Some some Stockton's booming? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really want to do, I really want to sell the idea of Baby Emporia. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. DD was just a store where you bought this out of a dude's garage. Yep. Like, that's how they started. And, you know, they weren't in a town that is iconic on the map. And, you know, they weren't this and that. So, I, you know, I, I, I'd just be interested to maybe try and draw some parallels there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll be out in Emporia with the, doing the DDO. So maybe I can get some lines from the DD people talking about there, where they came from and draw some. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I would, that's, I want to do, Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Tell mm-hmm. the stories that people don't necessarily know. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of them here. We got some characters. <laughs> That's true. This is true. <laughs> I love the the DD uh, crew. That's definitely people that we've paid attention to and a company that we've looked up to in, in plenty of aspects. Oh, yeah. They kill it over there. Yeah, I mean, similar, similar idea, you know what I mean? Like, you know, start just like you're you're on your retailer of choice man and then just go from there yep mm-hmm. right on Corey. thank you dude oh yeah no, this was dude a fun you guys one. are the best man i, I always yeah. enjoy coming on right on we have you on some more maybe uh right before otb open we'll have you on again dude legit anytime i mean i'm i work from home obviously so i'm during the work day i'm kind of here just chilling so if you guys ever want an opinion or anything ever want to just chit chat about some random thing that happened i'm seriously always here yeah we have them on our news station our news podcast right yeah we're down always, yeah for sure always fun to have you on i think we can create probably some cool little snippets throughout the uh throughout the course of the year yeah hell yeah dude i'm in man I, i'm always getting Sweet. Yeah. Likewise. We're always here. Reach out anytime. And, uh, we'll, you know, that Aaron and I'll be thinking about different random things that could be done for, for the network. Cause I think it's fun to have those ideas ourselves and then to actually know the person to get a hold of, to see it maybe come to fruition mm-hmm. is uh epic. So we're, we're stoked for you, man. And, uh, happy with, with where you're headed and all of that much appreciated. Yeah, dude. All good things, man. And I appreciate you guys having me on. I've, uh, I'm actually going to head straight from here to film another interview for golden state of mind. Right um, that fourth episode's coming out on the 12th, I want to say, or then yeah, the 12th, I think that's a Friday, right? Yeah. So got to wrap that up guys. Oh yeah. yeah. So, uh, if you're not already subscribed to disc golf network, go check it out. 
And if you are, definitely check out his documentary series, Golden State of Mind. It's uh, high-quality content, and this dude knows what he's doing. It's worth a watch. Oh, beautiful, man. You guys are the best. I can't wait to come back on. Yeah. Right on. Take right care. on, man. Thank you, dude.